This is the S-Ra podcast. And I got an emergency pre-fight breakdown to do versus Kenshiro Tajiri versus Hiroto Kiyoguchi in a 12-round WBC WBA junior flyweight title match. In a matchup that looks excellent on paper. Uh styles-wise, it looks like it's gonna be very entertaining. And you know, I'm here to break down uh, guys that I'm not at, like been watching their whole career just more recently got into the more i've been on boxing twitter and hearing other people kind of hype up these guys uh and the more the more the more i love boxing and everything like that it doesn't make sense not to pay attention to these lower weights who constantly are putting up great matchups and honestly the money usually doesn't get in the way in these fights the business of boxing doesn't usually get in the way of these fights we usually get the fights you want to see at these weight divisions so i always said like if you really want to get into boxing you don't want your heart broken and you want to see the fights that are the ones that are the most exciting, the the with the that mean the most. You gotta like some of these weight classes, right? You gotta like go uh, 112 pounds, 108 pounds, 115 pounds, 126. Like those are the weight classes where the money doesn't get in the way, the business doesn't get away, and we get to see that matchups we want to see. That's what we're getting. That's what we're gonna get tomorrow morning or late night, however you want to look at it. That's what you're gonna get. And then in the fight versus Kenshiro Tajiri versus Kaguchi, it's gonna be a matchup of you know, sharp offenses, really. It's really sharp offenses. Now, Tajiri, who isn't um, the best defensively with his guard, I, I don't believe so, uh, not the best defensively with his upper body movement, not slick, I would say, but what he does use is his distance, and he uses it kind of like a fencer, right? If you think of fencing with the sword fighting in the Olympics, fencing, they go back and forth, back and forth, and getting out of range, getting in range, getting out of range, getting out of range. He rides it like a wave. He's getting in and out of range with his wave. And he's kind of like just touching you with his jab. He's touching you with his jab and touching you and trying to find to where he places his shots. He's a little bit of trying to get right in the perfect range for his power shots. He likes to go to the body, likes to dig to the body, likes to put uh, – not he doesn't put everything on his shots all the whole time, but when he does, he really sticks it in there. And it's when he knows he really can stick it in there. And he can really break you down like that. He's got kind of a – it's kind of like a style that you wouldn't – if you just watched it like real quick, you would think, ah, oh, I don't really even know if this guy's that good. It really is. It's kind of deceiving his style. But as you these guys get in the fight with him, and as you see that they, he's getting in and out of range and having a hard time get to him, and he's slowly starting to dig his shots into you, and slowly that jab that's been touching all night is being able to let let him know what the range is where he can pinpoint his shots. Then in the in the late runs, he's starting to put it on you, starting to uh, drop you, starting to put put a uh, beating on you, and then it's you're starting to see like, hey, this guy's actually very very effective with the style. Now, Kaguchi, who's an all-offensive fighter, in my opinion, and I think that he's so good with his offense, and he's so pinpoints offense and his combinations, that it almost could get him in trouble. Uh, I always think of, there's a line in the remake of the Bad News Bears, which is a weird movie to reference, but he says the catcher's so good that he could get himself in trouble, right? He's so good, he's seeing everything, and he could see everything you're going to do, that he could get himself in trouble, and you could trick him. What thing with Kaguchi is he's so good with his offense, and he's so good with his combinations, that he gets greedy with them. He's kind of like a button masher in a video game. Like he's just mashing those buttons and putting everything out there. And he so feels so good with his offense and he feels so confident with it. But the problem is when you're throwing so much offense, you are leaving openings. Every time you throw a punch, you're leaving an opening. You are dropping your shield. You are creating an opening for the opponent. Sometimes he creates unnecessary openings that don't need to be there. If he just fought a little bit more controlled. But he, he that's, not, that's just not in his nature, right? It's not the way his mind works. If he sees it, he wants to take it. Now, that's led to all success here. And he hasn't had any um, losses, so there's nothing 
nothing has really disciplined him or humbled him to the point to where it's like, hey, you kind of have to control this, right? So he's going to keep doing it. In a fight like this with Tajiri, where I think he's going to have a lot of success because Tajiri, although is very good with the distance, if you can get him on his second or third step back, he goes straight back. And like I said, his guard isn't that great, so he can really start catching him. And if you notice in the Tajiri fight, the one fight he lost, which was versus, let me get the opponent's name up here. One second. Tajiri, Tajiri. The one opponent he lost to is Yabuki. And then in that fight, he was he was constantly getting stumbled back, right? And he was losing the control of the distance. And he would go in straight back, and the guy could just follow him and tag him up. And eventually led to a stoppage. Nakatani could do that. Nagatani could, not sorry, I'm sorry, Kairoguchi could do that. He could, he could, with his offense, get it going and get him forcing him back and just get the momentum going. And th- that would put him in trouble. That would get Tajiri in trouble. Also, Tajiri is going to fight in spots and Kaguchi isn't. So it's going to be kind of hard to win a decision in a fight with Kaguchi because he's constantly going to be working. It's going to be easy to score the fight for him. It's going to be a lot of contact. Even if you're blocking some shots, he, he's not afraid to punch his way in. So a guy like Tajiri, he's going to need to earn the respect of Kaguchi. He's going to need to have his shots mean something in the fight. If they don't, then you're going to see an avalanche. That's what you're really going to see in this fight. You're going to see an avalanche consume him. We're going to see if his offense could mean something in this fight. I love Tajiri's style. I became a fan of him studying for this fight. I I, I, uh, I really like guys that fight like a fencer like that, that really understand the distance and understand that you chop away at a guy and you could break him down, understand that you don't have to put everything in a shot and being patient as he is. But in a fight with Kaguchi, I think he's going to just be a step behind on the scorecard just because of Kaguchi's work. And Kaguchi could really get him off that spot. And it's not going to be a controlled fight that Taraji wants. I'm going to take Kaguchi in this fight. I'm going to take him a decision. And I think that this fight will have interesting moments. I think, of course, Taraji is going to land some decent shots. If his power doesn't ever mean anything in this fight, and he never gets Kaguchi to respect him or never has anything to change the momentum of this fight, he's just going to get out tagged in it. And he's going to get spots that he's going to be in spots that push him off the line and get him going straight back and falling back. And the momentum will eat him up. In the Coleman event, you have Jonathan Gonzalez versus Iwata. Now, I've never seen, I seen Jonathan Gonzalez, but I didn't remember him when he fought Soto. I do remember that fight. He is a, a good boxer, he is very skilled. He's very, a lot of ring IQ. Southpaw, crafty, good feet, uh, able to move around and get himself into the spot and reset himself to punch. Iwata has very good feet himself. Iwata is the kind of guy that could fight going backwards and forwards, and he could do it very quick and shift you very quick. And he's setting up uh, a big uppercut, right? And he's setting up big shots. He's more explosive than Jonathan Gonzalez. I think he has more power than Jonathan Gonzalez. Now, Jonathan Gonzalez has never lost at this weight. He Jonathan Gonzalez kind of working his way back. So usually a fighter starts at a lower weight and works his way up. He started at a lower weight and works his way down, right? He started at 112, 115. Now he's at 108. I think this is going to be a very entertaining fight. Jonathan Gonzalez is going to look to box, going to look to move around and move Iowata in positions. And I apologize if you hear the baby screaming. That's, this is an emergency podcast. This is an emergency podcast. But um, Jonathan Gonzalez is going to look to move him into spots, but the thing is, Iwata is going to look to do that too. They're both guys is going to be their feet moving very fast to get into certain positions, and they're both going to look to set each other up in the perfect spot for them to attack. I think that when you f- saw Jonathan Gonzalez fight um, Ioka, no, no, not Ioka. I'm sorry. Um, let's see what he lose to? It was the guy that fought Ioka and lost. 
One second. He lost to uh, Tanaka. When he lost to Tanaka, it was a guy that could match him on ability on getting in the end spot. It was someone that was able to match his foot speed and his hand speed and being able to control himself in that position. See, when he fought a guy like Soto, who is coming forward, but is a little bit off balance, and you could get him off balance and really set up your spots. I don't think he's going to be able to get Iwata off, his, off balance. I think Iwata is always going to be in position. So when they go to meet in the middle, when they find each other to get that perfect spot to enter the offense, Iwata is going to be able to respond, and I think he's going to be able to rock Gonzalez. I think he's going to be able to tell shine him in those moments. There's gonna that's how this fight's gonna be. It's gonna be feet work setting each other up, and I think Iwata's gonna win those spots, and I think he will eventually stop Jonathan Gonzalez late in this fight. I would say we're putting the right hand in the uppercut. Now we also have Junto Nakatani, who's moving up in weight to uh, junior bantam weight to fight Francisco Rodriguez. Francisco Rodriguez um is a very good fighter and has very good guys on his resume, but not as wins, but as competitive fights, most recently being uh Ioka. Now Francisco Rodriguez is very tough. He's very active. He's very strong. And he's not a guy that, oh, he's just going to come forward. He's just going to look to make it ugly. No, no, no. He's got skill. And he, he's very good at putting a lot of shots, but distributing the weight so where he can get the next punch off. And he doesn't just settle in a, a clinch. He doesn't settle on the inside. He really looks to work at all times when he's in punching range. Now, at, at points from the outside, he reaches. He doesn't have the best out. He doesn't really have an outside game, in my opinion. I think it's all on the inside. He's got to work his way in. And he usually likes to punch his way in. A guy like Nakatani, that's the kind of style that he wants. But remember, he's moving up in weight. We're going to see what his power looks like. And if his power isn't there, he could get in a very interesting fight here. Now, I think Nakatani is the guy that has more pinpoint shots. He's got more skill in his punches. He's got more variety on his punches. And he's more precise. He's, I think he's going to have the power advantage. But Francisco has power too. So it's, it's going to be an excellent fight. I think it's going to be a very interesting fight. It's going to be an offensive fight, but I think Nagatani's shots will begin to add up, and they're going to be a little bit too pinpoint. And I think Francisco Rodriguez is going to, going to give him a little bit too much. But like you said, when you move up a weight, who knows that power's not there? And if that power's not there, that's going to be a very long night for Nagatani. I really believe that. I think Francisco Vargas has a very good chance of winning this fight early, as far as winning on the scorecards early, but it might all start to crumble eventually when you're just giving the Nagatani too many looks, and Nagatani's getting more and more pinpoint and more and more precise, and He's beating you to the spot. I'm going to take Nagatani also in a late stoppage in this fight against Francisco Rodriguez. And I think that would be Francisco Rodriguez' first loss as a stoppage until uh, since he fought Roman Gonzalez in, in uh, 2013. So this is not, it's not uh, this is not like a light thing. I'm saying this is a major statement that Nagatani will be making in the 115-pound um, division. But I think that it's going to be a very entertaining fight. I think it's going to be a very entertaining card. And if you are not familiar with these guys and you, you know, it's not a weird time, I understand. But if you can watch this, I think you'd be highly entertained. If you are a fan of boxing, you're a fan of skill and ability. That's how it was sold to me after I watched it and scouted it. It definitely is that. That's exactly what you're going to get. And I think you're going to get some interesting outcomes in this fight. Thank you guys for listening. This has been the S-Ra podcast. <laughs>